Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Sean the Baptist Live for this special Holy Week edition. It is Wednesday in Holy Week, and that means we are just about at the end of Lent and ready to enter what we know as the Sacred Paschal Triduum. Triduum, that might be a new word for some of you. It is a Latin word that means three days. Tri is three, duum, days, basically. Triduum, three days. It is a time so holy that we, we simply refer to it as the three days. And of course, this week is so holy that we just call it Holy Week. We don't have such fancy titles for things like this in the church. It's a holy week, so what are we going to call it? Well, we'll let's just call it Holy Week. And, and kind of like if you were to think of, uh, I guess, suppose the Super Bowl, when that comes around, and people are like, oh, are you going to watch the game? You going to watch the game? You don't have to explain the game. Everybody knows what it means when you say the game. Similarly with uh, the three days. When it comes time for the three days, we just have to say the triduum, the three days. Everybody knows what you're talking about. Uh, that's that's where we're coming up on now. And um, so a question we often uh, get here is, well, when does Lent end? There's a, an important question. Uh, when does Lent end, Father Sean? Uh, tomorrow evening. Tomorrow afternoon, kind of. Uh, so Lent begins, of course, Ash Wednesday, and uh, it runs all the way up to the beginning of the Triduum, which uh, begins with the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, and that we will be celebrating tomorrow, the beautiful evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, and then Good Friday, and uh, finally, we will begin the celebration of Easter with the Solemn Vigil of Easter in the Holy Night. Uh, so all that we have to look forward to. So um, check it in with who we got here. I see uh, Don Pujala is on here from St. Michael's, and Mark Gilstrap is on here from St. Patrick's. So we've we've got a, a good group of people checking in tonight, and I, I didn't uh, publish uh, ahead of time, so hopefully people will see that I am on, and uh, they will join us here tonight. It is a, a great opportunity to kind of give a, an overview of all of Holy Week. And uh, so I'm going to do that, and uh, I should say that one of the things I do every year is that I will, beginning tomorrow morning, so on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, I will be live for uh, basically an hour-long special show just on the liturgy of that day. So tomorrow morning, I will talk all about Holy Thursday and all the minute details of these are the things that go on on Holy Thursday. These are the liturgies we celebrate. This is what it's all about. Uh, gonna do that uh, tomorrow morning. And then of course, Friday morning, I'll talk about Good Friday and you know the, the events that historically would have happened on, on those days. Uh, but but then also like liturgically, what, what do we do on, on those days? How do, we, how do we celebrate? What does it all mean? Uh, and then on Saturday morning, I will, of course, talk about the Easter Vigil, which is the big liturgy, and then, of course, uh, Easter Sunday morning. But I will do a full hour on each of those at 9 a.m. Uh, each of the next three mornings. And as always, you'll be able to get those live if, if you want, and you can ask your questions. Uh, but uh, also, of course, the, the videos are out there, and uh, you can find them on Facebook. I will upload them to YouTube as soon as I'm done. And uh, so, of course, you can grab those either place for the, the videos. I will put it out as a podcast. So uh, maybe just a, a little recap as we wait for some more people to, to join us here tonight. Um, all the different ways that you can uh, connect with uh, my online ministry, Sean the Baptist Ministry. 
uh, you can go to seanthebaptist.org. That is S-H-A-W-N, thebaptist.org. Be sure it's .org. And uh, there are a bunch of social media links in there where you can uh, get uh, everything from podcasts. There are three podcasts out there right now. Uh, so tonight's Sean the Baptist Live, as soon as it's done, I, I upload the, the video to, to YouTube. And then I take the audio and I, I put it out as, as a podcast. And and then, of course, every morning, if you haven't checked this out, we've got a lot of loyal listeners that, that check in every week on Wednesday evening. But uh, every morning, uh, I, I uh, put out a little podcast and a video. Uh, it goes out to Facebook and YouTube and then as a podcast. It's called The Morning Message. So if you go to SeanTheBaptist.org, you can find all about The Morning Message. Click on Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast. It'll show up on your phone or wherever every day. Uh, you can watch the video on Facebook, either on the Sean the Baptist page or the St. Patrick page. I cross-post it there, and it goes out on YouTube. Lots of people watching it there. So um, I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall right now and seeing what sticks. So if you want to follow Sean the Baptist, uh, there's the morning message every day, about five minutes. Just a little five minutes start your day off. It's Like it says, it's a morning message just uh maybe on the scriptures that day maybe on the saint and what's going on maybe just something up in the news or or what have you so feel free to to jump on there i said oh i said we linda burker linda burnhart is on so good to have linda uh with us here tonight and uh, we've got a good crowd of people jumping on so uh gonna talk tonight about holy week uh we are of course in holy week holy week started on uh palm sunday uh this this past sunday and uh, so that is the beginning of Holy Week. And as I just mentioned, Lent ends actually in the kind of middle of Holy Week. So Lent will end uh, tomorrow evening. So you got, well, about 24 hours of Lent left to go. So keep up those good uh, Lenten resolutions if you'd like. Uh, you've, you've got a little bit more time to work on it uh, if, if you uh, need a little help on your Lenten resolutions. Um, but uh, we will go through each of the, the kind of overview of Holy Week tonight, uh, just Palm Sunday all the way through to Easter. This is the uh, the 10,000 foot pass, I suppose, as it were. Um, and then, as I, I mentioned, if you're just getting on, I'm going to do each of the next three mornings at 9 a.m. Uh, an overview of just that day. So tonight's Sean the Baptist Live is going to be uh, just kind of an overview of the entire entire week little 10,000 foot pass, I suppose. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive deep the next three mornings. So thanks for, for joining here, uh, tonight. It's good to have you on. Uh, I am Father Sean Tunick, Sean the Baptist, joining you normally 6.30s on Wednesdays live. And then every morning for uh morning message, it's not live, but it is a video that gets uploaded each morning. So be sure to check that out. All right. With that having been said, let's, uh, let's jump into Holy Week. I think we've got uh, a good group of people on, um, Oh, Susan, Susan Kroger wants to know, does this mean we can eat chocolate tomorrow? Glad you asked. Uh, no. Well, I mean, you could. I mean, I didn't even give up chocolate for Lent this year. Don't tell anybody, but yeah, I, I didn't do the give up chocolate thing. Now, I I don't normally have a whole lot of chocolate now I'm on my kind of diet, but um, I in general, uh, well, I guess the question arises, well, if Lent ends tomorrow, does that mean, you know, we start celebrating? And the answer is no. In fact, the, the sacred triduum that begins tomorrow evening begins an even more intense period of, of fasting and prayer and 
so no, our th there's I suppose there's a little bit of a, a let up in in that um, Holy Thursday night, um, as we'll see. We sing the Gloria again. The altar can be decorated with some flowers, but but after the Gloria, we really kind of enter into the Passion. So it's a it's a very brief celebration that hey Lent is over tomorrow evening, and it lasts about oh from the beginning of Mass until the, the Gloria. And that's, that's about it. And then it's pretty clear we've entered the Passion. Uh, it's the instructions for Mass even say that, you know, the instruments don't play anymore uh, unless it's necessary to support the singing. And uh, the bells don't ring again until the Easter Vigil. So, um, yes, Lent ends tomorrow, <clears throat> but it's kind of, we've arrived at the point where we've been headed. So Lent ends, but now we're ready to celebrate the passion and death of Jesus, which really starts tomorrow night. Uh, Jesus enters into the beautiful Passover meal, but then afterwards he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where he is in agony. And that's where we'll leave things in the liturgy tomorrow. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday. And of course, the, the big deal on Palm Sunday is, uh, well, it was nice to see everybody coming back to church. I really uh, enjoyed that personally. Um, but, uh, you know why that is, of course, y you get stuff, you, you get stuff on Palm Sunday, you get a palm. So who wouldn't love that? Uh, you, you get to come back and, uh, get your palm branch. So, uh, uh, last year we, we had to like put them outside the front door and, uh, people kind of came by and picked them up. This was nice. Uh, I, I personally ushered everyone, uh, to their pew and, uh, handed them a palm branch. So that was kind of nice. But the uh, Mass of Palm Sunday, and if you were there, you, your church probably did something similar. COVID maybe has a few things that are, are different. Uh, but ideally, the, the Palm Sunday liturgy, or at, at least the prime liturgy on Palm Sunday, uh, starts not even in the church, but ideally would start outside the church at some other place because there's going to be a procession. Now, this isn't done necessarily at every Mass, but ideally, it would at least at one Mass, where there is three options for the beginning of Palm Sunday. The first option is the procession. And that, uh, like three different days that we do a procession, so there is a procession, of course, to start the Easter Vigil, which everyone is familiar with. There is also an official procession to start Candlemas, the Feast of the Presentation on February 2nd. Could also be a procession day. But, uh, you know, it's February 2nd, it's the middle of winter, it's cold, and not everyone wants to process in February. But Palm Sunday is one of those days where it's nice to process. So ideally, you would start at a different place and, uh, you know, meet somewhere outside the church at an alternate location. And and there, we, we bless the palm branches. And so you probably saw that done. Um, and then there's the, interesting, there's the reading of the gospel about Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. And uh, it does follow the three-year uh, cycle of, of things. So uh, this year we got year B with with St. Saint, Saint Mark. Uh, but it, regardless of which one you read, it, it tells the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And we, we do something that is historic. They they waved palm branches. We, we literally, we read it in the gospel and it says, and they went out and they cut leafy branches and they strew them on the ground and some waved them in their hands. We kind of said like, well, why don't we do that? Now, right away, I should say here that what we do in Holy Week, a lot of times we will do 
uh, at the, the time that it happened. So, for instance, tomorrow, the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday takes place in the evening. Didn't always used to be that way, but that's insider kind of liturgical nerd stuff. Now it's in the evening, so we, we do it at the same time that Jesus would have done it. Good Friday, ideally, takes place, the liturgy, at 3 p.m. The Easter Vigil can't start until it's dark because, well, that's when Jesus rose from the dead. Sometime between Saturday evening and Sunday morning, by the time they get to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus is already gone. So he rises from the dead sometime in the night of Holy Saturday, so that's when we celebrate the Easter Vigil. Palm Sunday is something similar. That's the date, the week before Passover, that Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem, and we do what they did. But here's the deal. So even though we, we do all this stuff at the, the time that it, it would have been done. I, I want to be kind of right away saying it it's much more than simply a, a play acting. Okay, we're not um, we're not like doing a passion play on Good Friday and we're not like, you know, we, we don't set up a table and all eat around a, a table as if we're just having a meal on Holy Thursday. Uh, none of what we do during Holy Week is is actually meant to be some kind of just reenactment. Okay, I like reenactments. I mean, uh, there are a bunch of people who make a, a career, well, not a career, but a hobby out of like Civil War reenacting, you know, reenact the American Civil War, uh, you know, go out camp, wear period clothing, all that. And and that is so that, you know, you could kind of in your mind think about what it would have been like to be a, a Civil War soldier or something. And it it can serve a certain purpose to, to have a, you know, a, a passion play or a recreation of things, and and those are are good. You know, I, I'm enjoying watching the uh, the series, The Chosen, uh, that's going to come out with season two here on on Easter. A year ago, I was talking about this, and everyone's like, "What's it chosen?" We don't know. Now everyone's like, "Yeah, we can't wait to watch it." Okay, so it does help our mind to have a you know a dramatic representation of things. Wonderful, but that is not what happens in the liturgy, or at least not only what happens. See, in the liturgy, and this is true every time we celebrate the liturgy, it makes actually present, okay? The the actual past event becomes present in a, a spiritual sort of way by the mystery of the Holy Spirit. So when we wave our palm branches, okay, yeah, it's a little bit like reenacting what happened on Palm Sunday, but more than that, you know, the priest says, as the, the people and the children in Jerusalem went out and welcomed Jesus... So let us do it. So we're not just waving branches like we dressed up to pretend. No, we're actually wanting to welcome Jesus. And that's why it's great when the procession can kind of go around the city a little bit, where you can walk around the block or the, the church and, and or even have a longer procession. Because, well, we want to welcome Jesus right now, right in 2021, not, not remember what it was like 2,000 years ago. And that's true of all the liturgies this week. It is not simply a well, let's remember what it was like 2,000 years ago. No, something actually happens. It actually becomes present. And so we get our chance to wave our palm branches and say Hosanna and welcome Jesus. And so it should spiritually hit us that, well, yes, I want to welcome Jesus in into my heart. I want to welcome Jesus more into my life. And the thing that gets me about Palm Sunday is, of course, we do this beautiful procession and and we we're joyful. I mean, it's a it's a joyful event. It's imagine what it would have been like two thousand years ago. These people are excited. Jesus is entering Jerusalem, entering his city. It's good. But then, especially in the Palm Sunday liturgy, uh, it almost immediately 
goes to uh, crucify him. You know, we're, we're hearing in the, the Passion being read for the gospel. So it, it moves pretty quickly on, on Palm Sunday. And so that should tell us right away why this is not just a, a reenactment. Um, so someone was asking, uh, Don was asking, you know, why don't we read uh, the Passion on, on Holy Thursday? Um, bigger question, like, why do we read it on Palm Sunday? You know, Jesus is, is entering. This is triumphant. You know, why, why the Passion on uh, Palm Sunday? Well, first of all, uh, maybe say that so as important as these liturgies are on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're not actually holy days of obligation. So theoretically, I'm not suggesting you do this, but theoretically you could be a good Catholic and go to Mass on Palm Sunday and not show up again at the church until Easter Sunday morning. All right, if you're going to be that kind of Catholic, I mean, you can do that. And of course, with, with COVID, there's there's all kinds of things out there. So I'm not not saying there's anything wrong with that, but... The reason why we have to read the Passion on Palm Sunday is, is because, well, sadly, not everyone will come on Good Friday. If, if we knew everybody was going to come uh, on, on Good Friday, well, we would read probably just the, the story of Jesus' death just on Friday. I don't know, but it is good to kind of have it at the beginning of the week on Palm Sunday to get us going, to know what we're entering into, because the, the, the Passion really begins Thursday night, as I said, after, after dinner. Uh, so it's good to kind of have have an overview on Palm Sunday, as it were. Um, Lisa's on, good to her, and I hope that hope that answers your question, Don. Um, we, we read the Passion on Palm Sunday because people might not be there during the week, and it kind of sets the stage for, for the whole week. And then, obviously, we read the Passion again on Good Friday. Now, it, it's a different version. Uh, so, in the, uh, the modern celebration of liturgy, we get whatever year a b or c um we're in for sunday we will get either matthew mark or luke and so this is year b so we got saint mark's version of the passion uh this last sunday and then always on good friday now we get saint john's passion in the extraordinary form uh you would get all four versions uh, you'd get uh the saint matthew passion on palm sunday and then mark and luke on tuesday and wednesday of holy week and then you to get John on Good Friday. So uh, modern liturgy, you get two of the four. If you go to the extraordinary form, you get all four uh, readings of, of the Passion. Uh, so uh, there's there's an answer for, for Don's question. If you got questions, feel free to, to jump on in there. Uh, I'm happy to answer some questions as we go. So with, with Palm Sunday then, uh, I always do think it, it moves kind of quick, honestly. We're, we're going from Hosanna to crucify him pretty darn quickly uh but that is kind of the the overview of of the events that are going to happen um so then in, in addition to that then uh you might say well okay if palm sunday starts holy week and we've got the trudum that starts thursday night well, what about monday tuesday wednesday glad you asked so uh monday tuesday wednesday Oh, Susan's got a question. Okay, about Holy Thursday. I'll get there in a second, Susan, when I when I get to Holy Thursday. Good. So, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What's going on there? All right. Well, Monday. Monday at, at Mass. So, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the ordinary form here. So, this is the, the modern version of, of the liturgy as exists uh, in the ordinary form. The extraordinary form, Latin Mass, is a little bit different. So, I'm going to 
stick with the ordinary form for the most part tonight, since that's what people will experience. But in the ordinary form, on Monday, and this is true in the extraordinary form too, actually, we get the reading about um, Mary Magdalene, or Mary, or the woman, uh, anointing the feet of Jesus. Because the reason we read this gospel is because it says six days before Passover. And so that's that's Monday in, in Holy Week. So on Monday, we read about Jesus being anointed. And uh, I can do a whole show on this, and I will, that Mary of Bethany, who we know is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, is the same woman as Mary Magdalene, is the same woman who is unnamed in the Gospel of Luke. Um, from the time of Gregory the Great, the church just took for granted that these are one and the same person. Um, now there's there's kind of a, oh, we know better than the history of the church. And just because everyone's named Mary doesn't mean it's the same Mary and whatever. I'll do a whole show on that. For me, the woman who anoints Jesus is Mary Magdalene, is Mary of Bethany, is the sinful one of Luke, is all the same person. So that's what we read on on Monday. And again, it's, it's chronological because we're saying six days before Passover, this is what Jesus was doing. Uh, so we read about it in the gospel six days before Passover. Tuesday, as I said, uh, it's Passion Day in the extraordinary form, not much in the ordinary form. Uh, we read that Judas is making plans. But then today, Wednesday, and if you if you caught the morning message today, I talked all about this in the morning message. Today, uh, Wednesday in Holy Week is known as Spy Wednesday. Spy Wednesday. It comes from the fact that Judas is considered a spy because he essentially used the secret information he had about Jesus's whereabouts, where he would be on Holy Thursday night. And instead of, you know, keeping that secret and, you know, treating Jesus as a, an intimate friend, he used that information to hand over uh, Jesus's whereabouts to the Jewish authorities who could then come and arrest him when the rest of the crowds weren't around. Because remember, it says that they're trying to arrest Jesus, uh, but they can't for fear of the crowds. So Judas helps him out and says, I know where he'll be when he's away from the crowds. I know because he's my intimate friend, basically. So I know where he goes. I know what he does. So Judas is a spy who betrays Jesus uh, on Wednesday of Holy Week. So this is Spy Wednesday. If you want a little more information on some of the spiritual side of that, check out the morning message uh, for today because it was all about that. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of, of Holy Week, that's what's, that's what's going on. Which brings us then to Thursday. Uh, and as I said, uh, Thursday, if you were to show up tomorrow to your church and expect to find morning mass, you know, those of you that are good daily mass going folk, uh, if you show up at your church tomorrow morning looking for daily mass for Holy Thursday, you will not find it. You will, however, find a church where you could pray. So, hey, go ahead and do that. You can still go to church tomorrow morning at the time you normally go to Mass. That'll be fine. There just won't be Mass. Because the only Mass, with one exception, which I'll talk about, the only Mass that's allowed tomorrow is the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. And it's not to be repeated. It's to happen once. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit different if a priest has multiple parishes. I, Even when I had multiple parishes, I still had everybody come together of all three parishes um, to celebrate the evening mass of the Lord's Supper. And this is one where it, it, it does have to take place in the evening um, because we are going to, at least as much as possible, set the, the scene for the historical time in which it, it took place. And uh, so 
for the most part, the evening mass of the Lord's Supper is a mass that we would be familiar with. It, there's not too much different. Um, I'll go into a lot of the liturgical details tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for your Holy Thursday preview, as I will call it. Um, but the overview of Holy Thursday, um, let me let me mention the uh, the one exception to the no daily mass, and that is there there is actually one mass in addition to the evening mass of the Lord's Supper that is proper for Holy Thursday, and that is the Chrism Mass. Now, if you caught the morning message yesterday, I talked about the Chrism Mass yesterday because, well, even though it is a proper Mass for Holy Thursday morning, it is allowed to be transferred to another day. And that's largely because um, all the priests of the diocese attend the Chrism Mass. And so in a large diocese, uh, you know, think uh, the state of Wyoming is like one diocese or, you know, Alaska, places like that. And there are other places big diocese, it it would be kind of hard for all the priests maybe to gather in the morning and then get back to the parish and make the preparations for the evening mass. Eh, I don't know. I think you could do it. But it is normal, at least in the United States, that the chrism mass gets transferred. Um, in Rome, you will see uh, Pope Francis celebrate the chrism mass, however, tomorrow morning with, I, I don't know what it will be with COVID, um, but with some of the cardinals and, and bishops of Rome, hopefully. Um the Chrism Mass is the Mass once a year where we bless the holy oils. The sacred chrism, from which the Mass gets its name, used in baptisms, confirmations, ordinations, dedications of churches and altars. Um, the oil of catechumens that uh, is anointing those who are preparing for baptism. In fact, here at St. Patrick's, we anointed our catechumens last night uh, as we prepared uh, to practice for the Easter Vigil. And then the oil of the sick which is used, as you might expect, in the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Those three oils get blessed once a year by the bishop at the Chrism Mass. And that is in the Missal for Holy Thursday morning. And the reason for this is uh, Holy Thursday is, of course, um, the day of the anniversary of the priesthood. We often think about, you know, Jesus instituting the Eucharist at the Last Supper, which he does. But it, it's also the, the anniversary of the priesthood in which Jesus... When he created the Eucharist, he also said, okay, you apostles now, do this. Literally in the Hebrew, it's offer this sacrifice as a commemoration, a perpetual memorial of, of what I just did. And so it, it literally, in that moment, Jesus ordains the apostles to be his priests. And so Holy Thursday is the anniversary of the birthday of the priesthood. And so that's why... All the priests come together for a big celebration in the morning for the Chrism Mass. And as a part of the Chrism Mass, not only are the oils blessed, but the priest, well, we renew our promises of priestly service. So it's kind of like we re-up for a year on our, our promise to be good priests. Um, so theoretically, and if possible, that would be done on Holy Thursday morning, but it normally gets transferred. And so uh, here in the Archdiocese of Kansas City and Kansas, it's transferred to Tuesday every year in, in Holy Week. And so that is what we all did yesterday morning with the Archbishop. It was nice because uh, all the priests got together and we haven't been able to do that because of COVID. It's the first time all the priests physically got together since, uh, well, more than a year ago. So uh, that was great to, to get together to, to to do that yesterday. Okay, so with that, uh, with the Chrism Mass being a possibility for Holy Thursday morning, the other Mass is, of course, the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. Um, one thing I'll just point out about this. When you come to your church, 
for the evening mass at the Lord's Supper, uh, one thing you will notice is that the tabernacle is empty. Okay? Uh, that means when you come in, don't genuflect. Okay? We genuflect to the tabernacle because God is there. Uh, tabernacle is going to be empty. No Jesus present in the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. So what do you do? Catholics, we're such creatures of habit. You're probably going to come in and I've seen people genuflect when they get out of their pew, get in their pew. It's like, if I leave my pew, I need to genuflect. Not not tomorrow. Because the tabernacle is going to be empty. It's because tomorrow night, everyone will receive the Eucharist that is consecrated at that Mass. It's ideal that that take place at every Mass. That you can always receive the Eucharist consecrated at the Mass you attend. And we, we try to do that as much as possible here at St. Patrick and avoid communion from the tabernacle. But at least tomorrow, you will know. So, do not genuflect. Instead, what do you do? You bow to the altar. Altar always represents Christ. So you'll notice that the uh, the priest and the other ministers during Mass genuflect when they enter the sanctuary and then bow whenever we cross in front of the altar during Mass. So tomorrow, everyone does that. Don't genuflect. Bow to the altar uh, when when you come in. From there, uh, Mass is, is pretty much like normal, but I did mention um, the Gloria. So the Gloria is back. Uh, at least you haven't heard it. If you've only gone to Sunday Mass, you haven't heard it. Uh, there has been the Gloria on the, the Solemnity of St. Joseph and the Solemnity of the Annunciation, and here at St. Patrick's, the Solemnity of St. Patrick, because it's a proper solemnity for us. Other than that, you notice we, we haven't had the Gloria at Sunday Mass, so the Gloria returns, and we're so happy that it's back and uh, that Lent is over, that we ring the bells, uh, the little hand bells, the tower bells. There will be bell ringing uh, on Holy Thursday. But then, um, yes, we're happy that Lent is over, but now we enter into the, the Passion. Uh, we don't read the Passion, and uh, Don was asking uh, about that. We, we don't read the Passion, but we do read the Gospel of an account of, of the Last Supper in which, interestingly, the Gospel is not uh, the narrative of Jesus taking bread and saying, this is my body, this is my blood. We don't get that part of the Gospels. We get St. Paul... Who, who tells us that that's what Jesus did on the night before he died. But the gospel is actually the washing of the feet. So it's St. John's gospel. And one of the things that often in history took place uh, on this day outside of Mass uh, was that uh, the Pope would wash the feet of 10 poor people, or 12 poor people, or the Pope would wash the feet of 12 bishops to symbolized what Jesus did at the Last Supper, washing the feet of his apostles. Uh, they are going to be priests, as I said, at the birthday of the priesthood. And and so Jesus gives an example to his new priests. If you're going to be priests, uh, you got to be servants. So Jesus washes the feet of his new priests. Um, since of, of the 1950s, uh, this has been something that has been an option to, to do actually during the liturgy of Holy Thursday. Um, it's always been optional. And then there was a fight because it was only men. And then Pope Francis changed it so it could be women. And then the whole thing kind of shifted as to, like, what is this even about? Uh, you know, is it, a, is it about representing Jesus washing feet, which is what we're supposed to see? Or Then it became about who's getting their feet washed and should it be a represent? Anyway, it's optional. My parish is we, we didn't do it even before COVID. But with COVID, nobody's doing it. So just so you know, it's optional. Pay attention during the gospel. Listen and picture in your mind 
you know, Jesus washing the feet of his new priests, his 12 apostles, but you won't see the washing of the feet actually at the liturgy, uh, at least not in the Diocese of the United States because of, of COVID. And I think that's actually asked of the whole universal church. Basically, they said, hey, the guidelines for last year, do it again this year. So you probably will not see the washing of the feet uh, this year. But it, it was never really meant to be part of the liturgy. It was always something done outside the liturgy. And then in the 1950s, it got put in. But that's really kind of insider liturgy nerd baseball. So if you've got questions about that, maybe tune in uh, tomorrow. Where we'll talk a little more in depth about Holy Thursday. So at the end of Holy Thursday Mass, though, um, so this is where it, it gets kind of interesting. Uh, Mass does not end in the usual way with the, the dismissal and things. Rather, there there is no dismissal, and there won't be, until the end of the Easter Vigil. And I might insert right here, then. That's because, really, the, the Triduum Liturgy is one liturgy. It, it begins Holy Thursday night, and, and it goes all the way through. The, the Triduum doesn't end until, actually, Sunday evening. Uh, but you won't get a dismissal from Mass again until the end of the Easter Vigil. Why? Because, well, the liturgy kind of is meant to go on. I mean, well, we leave the church, sure, we leave the church, but we don't leave the liturgy. Even if we leave the building, we're meant to kind of stay in these days. Uh, so what do we do at the end of Holy Thursday Mass? Well, we we process with the Eucharist. There's a Eucharistic procession. Now, this one doesn't go out of the church. This one goes uh, around the church to what will represent the Garden of Gethsemane. It's some other place, which is known as the Altar of Repose. Uh, we've set up as an altar with a tabernacle, could be in the main body of the church, could be you know, in the social hall or down someplace else. Um, the point is that the, the Eucharist goes from the main altar and we process to some other place. And this is meant to represent that after Jesus finished the Last Supper 2,000 years ago, uh, the scriptures tell us that after singing a hymn, one of the great Hallel Psalms, they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. So the solemn procession with the Eucharist at the end of Holy Thursday Mass is, is meant to be kind of uh, a chance for us to transition from the, the beauty of the upper room and the, the beauty of the institution of the Eucharist, the priesthood, and now we go to the Garden of Gethsemane and we hear Jesus's words, can you not stay and watch with me for an hour? So one of the beautiful things on Holy Thursday is that after the, the Eucharist is transferred to the altar of repose, um, there is the time for adoration. That mass has no dismissal. It just says that the ministers leave in silence. There's no, everybody get out of here now. Stay, stay and pray. Um, one of my, my favorite kind of little traditions is that I will, on Holy Thursday night, try to go visit uh, different churches to go to the altar of repose. Uh, when I was studying in, in Washington, this was this was easy because there was, like, uh, tradition is to, to visit seven churches, perhaps. Uh, there are, you know, seven different altars of repose in the various religious houses and churches from the National Shrine to Franciscan Monastery, where I was. I could go pretty easily within five miles and hit seven churches. Um, here, it's a little bit harder, but probably make the pilgrimage anyway. So that night, we keep watch with Jesus, as he told his apostles to do. And I invite you to, to do that as well. Um, Susan asked, why do we not anoint the priest's feet with perfume on Holy Thursday? Um, well, first of all, because historically, as I said, the, the anointing of Jesus' feet would have taken place on, on Monday uh, of, of Holy Week. But um, I, I guess the, the answer to that is... Uh, it's not part of the liturgy. 
Uh, it's never been a part of our liturgical tradition to anoint the priest's feet. Uh, the, pr the priest does, of course, stand in the person of Christ. And so when we see, uh, it's part of when the washing of the feet is done uh, during the Holy Thursday liturgy. It's not meant to be, oh, look, there's Father Sean washing the feet of his parishioners. Isn't, isn't that good? Father Sean's a servant. Well, that's true. But what you're really meant to see is like we just read the gospel where Jesus washed the feet of his apostles. So it's meant to be a visual representation or representation of what Jesus did. You're supposed to see this is Jesus washing the feet of his 12 apostles, um, which is why it was always reserved to men, males. Um, now it's, it's, it's totally changed in the meaning. And so uh, one of the reasons why I never did it when, when I was the celebrant for Holy Thursday, uh, when I was pastor. But anyway, we don't anoint the priest's feet with, with oil um, ever. That's, it's actually never been a part of a liturgical tradition. It's kind of an interesting thought, though. Um, but it would be just kind of a dramatic representation. So I guess if you're going to do that, something like that, you could, you could reenact it on Monday. But it's not part of the liturgy. So I hope that answers that question, Susan. Um, okay, so Thursday ends that way. Uh, just adoration. On Good Friday... Uh, people asked about, well, what about my, you know, Lenten observances? If, if Lent ends on Thursday evening, can I, can I eat chocolate on, you know, Thursday, Friday? Uh, no, we have entered what is known as the Paschal fast. So everybody probably knows Good Friday is a day of fast and abstinence. So those rules that apply to Ash Wednesday apply to Good Friday. We will fast, meaning one meal at most, and then two little snacks, collations, they would be called, uh, that together don't equal the main meal. If you can, I would just stick to water on Good Friday. Just fast. Don't eat anything. That's that's an actual fast. Bread and water if you you know you want to do that. But I don't know. Quite frankly, if, if you eat one main meal and two small meals, isn't that a normal day? I mean, seriously, people. Anyway, it's up to you. The law of the church is a fast on Good Friday, and that is to be understood as one main meal at most, and no eating between meals with maybe two smaller meals, but that's the minimum. Do do what you can, okay? The woman who anointed Jesus' feet, Jesus says, she's done what she could. Jesus will know if you've done what you could, okay? Uh, in addition, it's a day of abstinence, so that meal that you have uh, is to not include meat. So, fast and abstinence on Friday. However, that's just the canon law. The canon law says midnight to midnight on Friday. Really, after the Holy Thursday liturgy, we've, we've gone with Jesus to the garden, and I kind of try to start, you know, the fast and abstinence after the Holy Thursday liturgy. My, my tradition was always to go out and have a nice meal uh, Thursday evening before Mass. That's kind of the celebration. Hey, Lent is over. We're going to about to start a big fasting, so have a big meal uh, right before Holy Thursday. I'll say that when I was in Washington at the, the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, all the priests would get together for dinner with the uh, Apostolic Nuncio, uh, the papal representative from Pope Francis. We, we would have our big meal afterwards because that's, that's the only time we would do it. So there are, you know, exceptions and midnight to midnight is technically the fast. So Good Friday. This is one of those days when there is no mass. So if you hear someone saying, hey, I'm going to go to mass on Good Friday. No, they're not, because there is no Mass on Good Friday. There, There is, however, one of the very uh, 
once a year liturgies, we'll call it unique. Um, and that is, the, we celebrate the solemn commemoration of the Lord's Passion. And so this is a liturgy that takes place uh, Friday afternoon, ideally sometime between noon and three, ideally at three o'clock, which is the historical hour when, when Jesus died on the cross. So if, if, if possible, 3 uh, p.m., 3 in the afternoon is, is recommended uh, for that. So um, that's what we'll be doing here at St. Patrick. So if you come to St. Patrick at 3 p.m., uh, that's when we will celebrate the, the solemn commemoration of the Lord's Passion. Now, this is not really like a Mass. So uh, it used to be called the Mass of the Pre-Sanctified because you would, the priest would consume a host that was consecrated the night before. Now everyone receives communion, and it's just called the, the Solemn Commemoration of the Lord's Passion. But as I said, there, there's no dismissal at the end of Thursday, and there's no beginning uh, welcome. And, you know, there's, there's no the Lord be with you or sign of the cross or anything to begin Good Friday. It simply starts uh, on this day where we know that Jesus died for us. The ministers come in, and they just fall flat on their face on the floor. The, the priest, deacons... They're, they're told to prostrate. And we just fall on the ground, put our face on the dirt. And what else are you going to do? I mean, Jesus has died for us because of our sins. And so we're going to say basically, wow, look what we've done. We are sorry that we caused this. And again, we're not, we're not play acting here. So it's not like we have to pretend like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus is dead. I don't know. No, we know we're headed towards Easter. So it, it's always in the Holy Spirit that the, these events are celebrated. Um, but after that, there's there's an opening prayer. And then then we do have the Liturgy of the Word in which we have the, the readings and the, the Passion, as I said, is the, the St. John uh, Passion. Uh, ideally, this would be chanted by three deacons. If you follow the, the Liturgy from, from St. Peter's in Rome, you'll you'll see it chanted by, by three deacons. Um, interestingly, people, people are asking about uh, the Passion and um, there, there, there isn't actually a provision uh, for like the congregation to join in the passion, like yelling "crucify him" or taking different, you know, voice parts. Uh, the passion is traditionally chanted in three parts. Uh, there's the chronista part or the the narrator, um, and then there's the the what's called the synagogue, the the synagogue, uh, which represents like all the the uh, the kind of voices. Um, and then there's Christos, the, the Christ part. Um, there's not a provision for the the people or the assembly to, to join in any of that. Although missile companies sometimes print that. Uh, people ask us here at St. Pat's, we don't do that. Um, especially with no missiles, you know, uh, no hand missiles and things because of COVID. People couldn't have their part. And it's not really part of it anyway. But you will get the, the St. John uh, Passion um, and there's a beautiful chanted version of it in Latin, which I highly recommend. If you haven't checked out, check out the Friday liturgy from, from Rome and you'll, you'll see that. Um, after that, the, uh, what happens is the, the intercessions on that day are of a solemn form, uh, rather than somebody just making them up and, and writing them, you know, like we do for Sunday, let's pray for, you know, the, this such and such need and that the, the intercessions on Good Friday are, are fixed the exact words, what we're going to pray for and how we're going to do it is is all straight out of the, the missal. And it, it's chanted in a, a very ancient form of it where we, we have an intercession. This is what we're going to pray for. And then the deacon chants, let us kneel. And everyone kneels down and, and prays for just that one petition silently. Then says, let us stand. And we all stand up. And then the priest 
prays a collecting prayer, uh, and that's it's all just one petition, and there, there are 12 of them. Uh, so, you know, what do we do on Good Friday? Well, we, we pray. Uh, since we're not celebrating Mass, we, we have these solemn prayers. And then comes the, the part that probably most people would associate with Good Friday, and that is the veneration of the cross. Uh, in pre-COVID times, uh, this would normally be a, a cross often with Jesus crucified on it, or a plain cross is fine on this day, um, remembering the wood of the true cross on which Jesus died. And there's a solemn presentation of it, and then we would come forward and kiss the, the cross or genuflect to the cross. Um, again, COVID has things a little bit different, so we, we won't be uh, being able to, to touch or kiss the, the cross. But um, it is a, a part that I always remember from when I was growing up. Like, it was a little... There's a little touchy-feely, a little bit going forward. Like, you mean I'm going to kiss this cross? And Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, after that comes the communion. Now, again, the tabernacle is empty on Good Friday, so don't, don't genuflect to an empty tabernacle. But on Holy Thursday night, we, uh, we consecrate enough of the, the hosts uh, to be able to have them for, uh, for Good Friday as well. So there's... Um, there's that where you you will be able to receive communion, everybody, and uh, it will be from hosts that were consecrated on Thursday night. So uh, what a beautiful thing that on this this day that we celebrate that, that Jesus died for us, uh, we, we can, in fact, receive the Eucharist and uh, have Jesus close to us sacramentally as well as um, what we do in our, our minds. Um, so... Uh, that will conclude the, the Good Friday liturgy. As I said, uh, there's no dismissal. So after communion, there's a there's a prayer over the people, and and then everyone leaves in silence. No no dismissal. Uh, in silence, ideally, you're not like going around blabbing and making a bunch of noise either. Uh, so you just depart. And again, as I said, the reason there's no dismissal here is because although you might leave the church. Theoretically, you should kind of try to stay present to what's going on. So it's not like, wow, I'm, I'm so happy the Good Friday liturgy is over, so now I'm going to, you know, go out and have a party. Well, I know, because it's a fast day, so no, you're not going to go party. Um, but Jesus just died. He's buried in the tomb. What should we be thinking about Friday night? Think that Jesus is dead in the tomb, and that's, that's really where things pick up Saturday morning. You're like, oh, Good Friday's over. I don't have to fast anymore, right? Well, true. I canonically, it's midnight to midnight, as I said. But even the church instructions now say the faithful should be encouraged to continue their fast on Holy Saturday, uh, because Jesus is dead in the tomb. That's what we're recalling. Uh, so, if possible, to to keep up that that fast and certainly not begin any kind of celebration of of Easter. It's not Easter yet. Olin days, as I, I said, uh, these liturgies got bumped up, so you were actually celebrating the Easter vigil, the vigil of Easter on, on Saturday morning, uh, and so people did start celebrating Easter on Saturday, and we've we've corrected that problem now, and so Easter does not start on Saturday, okay? During the day on Saturday is a day of watching and waiting. Uh, ideally, if possible, the church would have the, the cross there that you could come and, and venerate again, genuflect before the cross. Um, practically, normally what happens on Holy Saturday is, uh, well, the decorators come and they decorate the church for Easter, which is going to happen Saturday night. So 
it, it does have to happen for decoration purposes. Um, there's also some preparation rites for those who are going to be baptized that night. Um, could also take place Saturday morning. But Saturday is a day on which nothing happens. Um, so maybe you're going to just keep it as a, a quiet day. Pray pray with your family. Um, that that would certainly be something something good to, to do uh, if possible. Now, the, the real celebration of Easter uh, does, in fact, begin then Saturday night. So the, the solemn vigil of Easter, as St. Augustine called it, the mother of all vigils. And that, that's because a, a vigil is a night watch. That's what it means, vigil, and means to keep watch during the night. So uh, it is the mother of all vigils because the idea of watching through the night for a liturgy stems from this vigil to end all vigils, which is the solemn vigil of Easter. Now, people sometimes think that, oh, well, the, the Easter vigil, like this is, this is for the, that's that mass where the people become Catholic, right? That's where people getting baptized or confirmed or stuff. Well, yeah, that happens there, but really the, the Easter vigil is for everybody. In fact, everybody should want to be at the Easter vigil. It is the liturgy. In fact, in the early church, that it was the only Easter liturgy. It, it went all night. Uh, and there, there wasn't like, oh, we do Holy Saturday and then we come back on Easter Sunday. No, it was all, that's the Easter. That's the Easter liturgy. So uh, I invite you, if you've never been to the Easter Vigil, come. It's a beautiful liturgy. And once again, we do things there that you only do once a year. Whole thing starts with a fire, a big bonfire, uh, a rogus, as Father Mark here at St. Pat's likes to point out. That is the Latin, and it uh, it means... Well, a bonfire. A, it's the same one that's used for funeral pyre. So an, enough of a fire to burn up a body. So not some little small thing. Um, and it has to take place at night. It's it's a, a beautiful liturgy that, uh, it, you know, sometimes people will show up at Saturday evening, you know, at like 5 p.m. looking for the 5 p.m. Saturday Mass. Uh, no. The, the Easter Vigil does not start at 5 p.m. It, it has to start when it's dark. And so, you know, here, I think at 8.15 is the soonest in Kansas City where the vigil can start. And um, so it has to be dark. And so the fire dispels the darkness because uh, we are going to celebrate Jesus rising from the dead, which, as I said, took place during the night. Uh, by Easter Sunday morning, Jesus is already risen and, and gone. So Easter vigil starts with a fire. Church is all dark. We, we process in with the, the Easter candle. Uh, and, and then we, we all have little hand candles, which we, we light off the main Easter candle and a really beautiful service of light. And there's a, a special chant that is sung in praise of the candle and the light called the exultant, because it starts with the word in Latin exultant, let, let the angel of God exult, basically let the, let the host of angels exult, uh, and a beautiful chant. And then the, the liturgy of the word is extended during the Easter vigil, um, it's, it's a night watch. So the, the Easter vigil, uh, has not just the normal first reading, second reading gospel. It, it, it actually has nine readings. And so it, if you, if you do the whole, some of the readings are optional, but if you do all of it, Easter vigil could take about three hours, especially during COVID time. Uh, there's an option to do not all seven of the old Testament readings, I think we're doing three here. So vigil will probably be like, you know, two and a half hours, something like that. But still, it's it's not your typical Saturday evening mass. It's it's long. 
uh, because it's it's meant to be a, a night watch. Like we are going to keep watch for the rising of Jesus from the dead. Um, and so we have seven readings from the Old Testament. We have St. Paul's epistle about Jesus being raised. And then we have uh, one of the gospel accounts of Jesus raised from the dead. So a total of nine readings, uh, after which uh, at the Easter Vigil, we have the, the baptisms. And oftentimes in, in parishes in the United States, we, we add in confirmations of uh, those who are being received into full communion of the church. So some people who are baptized already, but are not in the full communion of the Catholic Church. They were baptized in a, a Protestant community, for instance. They would be brought into full communion. And then all those people that have been baptized and those in full communion would be confirmed. So we have the sacrament of confirmation. And then everyone who has been initiated receives their first communion uh, that night as well. So the three sacraments of Christian initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist take place that night in the order that they're supposed to happen. Uh, so it's a, a great night for initiation. And then, of course, we, we get to celebrate the Eucharist now for the first time since Holy Thursday night. Uh, we, we get to, in the new light of Easter, have Jesus present again in the Blessed Sacrament because up until now, the, the tabernacle has been empty. Um, and so now we'll, we'll consecrate the Eucharist again and, and put Jesus back in there. Uh, and then at the, the end of the Easter vigil, we're so happy to say the A word again. Hallelujah. That A word, um, that we, we end with a, a double version of it and everything. And it, it's great. Uh, so that ends the Easter vigil, but, um, the season of Easter has just begun. The, as I said, the, the Triduum goes all the way technically until Vespers on, on Easter Sunday. Uh, there, there is a, a special chant um, uh, called the Victime Pascale in, in Latin, which is a sequence which follows basically after the second reading um, is a special chant just for Easter that you'll get on Easter Sunday morning. There will probably be renewal of baptismal promises and sprinkling with holy water and then Paschal Vespers or Vespers on Holy Sunday ends the Triduum and the season of Easter goes on for 50 days up until Pentecost. So um, that is that is where we are headed. Um, Kathy Brennan from Topeka is on. Always love the explanation of the Triduum. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, if you weren't on at the beginning, I mentioned that uh, tonight's Sean the Baptist Live, this has kind of been a, an overview of of the whole thing. So this is Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, overview of Holy Week in an hour, starting tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. on the next three mornings. So Thursday morning at 9 a.m., Friday morning at 9 a.m., and Saturday morning at 9 a.m., I am going to give an overview more in depth of just that day. I'm going to go over what exactly is going to happen at the liturgy on that day, because as I said, these, these liturgies of the Triduum only happen once a year. So even if you've been Catholic your whole life. Uh, this could be a little, not just confusing, but there's a lot you could miss if you don't know the symbolism of what's going on. So every year I do uh, a little uh, preview, as I call it, the Holy Thursday preview at 9 a.m. tomorrow. I invite you to join me. Uh, same place here uh, on Facebook. It'll be live, and then I'll put it on YouTube when I'm done and podcast it. So uh, check shunthebaptist.org for all the, the latest stuff out there. But at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, if you want to join in live and ask questions, be back here. Um, it'll be on the, the Sean the Baptist Facebook page, and I'll cross-post to the St. Patrick's uh, page as well, and then put it on YouTube and podcast it. So there are a lot of things I'm going to go over 
the, the music, what the chants are, what, what everything is about, uh, more of the, the in-depth uh, spirituality of what happens in these three days. So tonight is kind of the big picture overview of the whole week. Uh, please join 9 a.m. for the next three mornings. Uh, or, you know, if you can't be live, fine, the, the video is out there so you can watch. Uh, it'll be more spiritual. What are the things we do and why uh, to help you kind of understand uh, a little bit more about that. Uh, check my, my questions here. Mark is asking, is veneration at 3 or 7? So the uh, it's a Pat's here in Kansas City. English service at 3 and a mostly Spanish service at 7. There'll be a little bit of English mixed in there, but for the most part, um, the evening uh, celebration of the Lord's Passion will be in Spanish uh, here at St. Patrick in Kansas City. Um, looks like I have covered all the questions, and um, I am uh, grateful for all those who, who continue to, to follow. If you'd like to, uh, in your, your kindness, make a donation to support Sean the Baptist, I've, uh, I've expanded the Sean the Baptist studio. I wanted to get a little bit better lighting in here so that you could actually see me and upgrade my microphone so it will sound nice because some people, a lot of people actually only listen on the podcast. So I wanted to get some better quality audio in there. And being a software engineer, I, I do enjoy learning new things. So if you'd like to make a little donation to Sean the Baptist Ministries, uh, I would I would happily uh, accept that as well to pay for some of the, the upgrades to the studio. This is going to be a, a great three days coming up. As I said, it's Triduum. Try doing three days. So big, we just call it the three days. I pray that you will certainly uh, attend the celebrations of the liturgy over the next three days. As I said, it's kind of one liturgy that begins tomorrow night and doesn't end until the Easter Vigil. Um, but even if you can't do that, make sure that these are not just ordinary days. Do try to pray along. Come to the church for the liturgies. Come to the church when the liturgies aren't going on. If you can't be there at, at 3 p.m. on Good Friday, fine. I, come over your lunch hour. Come at noon. Pray. Walk the Stations of the Cross yourself. Do something to make sure that these three days are days set apart. That's what the word holy means. It means set apart. This is Holy Week. Uh, let's, let's try to do our best to make sure it is set apart. And I pray that my reflections over these next days and tonight will help you understand a little bit more about why these days are so special. This is the Sean the Baptist Show for March 31st, Wednesday in Holy Week. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for your Holy Thursday preview. God bless you and have a great evening.